Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. 90 minutes long. We got NBA Finals action at game number four. Hopefully, for those that like a long, entertaining series. Miami could answer the call once again tonight, as they've done so many times in this postseason, and even things up at two apiece. We'll see. But 8.30, the tip-off, you'll hear it all right here on 98.7 ESPN, but we'll keep you company between now and then. We got Julian Kushnick. We got Jacob Perry. Jacob working his 17th show of the day, as a matter of fact. So we appreciate his diligence, as always, and they're producing the program tonight. And you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. So a lot of things going on. We got the Yankees and the Sox. Normally, I mean, probably I would say a lot of the last 20 years, Yankees-Red Sox playing, that's going to be the lead story, right? That's going to be the newsmaker. Old rivals, as good a rivalry as there is in sports, especially baseball. Not tonight. I mean, we'll get to it, certainly, and, you know, some things that are happening off the field with the Bombers and that type of thing. Jets said goodbye, at least until training camp today. They went on a little mini summer vacation. We'll see you in about six weeks. Aaron Rodgers spoke. Zach Wilson spoke. I was out at Florham Park today, so we'll have some thoughts on that as well. We'll get into the football, a little basketball stuff, too, as I said, with the NBA Finals coming up later, game number four. But you know where we got to start, right? Well, we got to start where we started last night and the night before that and the night before that and the night before that because it's newsworthy. And we had some fun, you know, and if you listen to the show last night and, you know, I got a lot of comments and, and, and people hitting me up just, you know, we got a little goofy in that first hour last night, but I think it was justified. Don't you? You know, we gave it to the Mets pretty good last night. And normally you would say, well, you got to double down, right? You got to throw it right back in their face again tonight after what transpired last night in Atlanta in blowing yet another game. But I'm going to say the same thing that I said really at the beginning of last night's show, after they blew the second game of that three-game series. Why be surprised? Really, why be surprised that the game ended up in the manner at which it did? And really, the series played itself out like it did down in Atlanta. And I don't know if you guys saw the video. I don't know if you're internet-inclined or not. But I even, like, tweeted it out. Last night on the... Bally Sports South broadcast, which is the TV home for the Atlanta Braves. I guess they did like a former players broadcast. It was Jeff Francoeur, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin, Chipper Jones. And the ironic part about it is, is that, yeah, they're all for Atlanta Braves, and they're all going to be remembered as Atlanta Braves. But two of those guys wore Met uniforms. Francoeur was on the Mets when the Mets were god-awful, Right. And Tom Glavin came over to the Mets to kind of, you know, get that one big last payday after the Braves didn't want to pay him what he felt he was worth at that stage of his career. And Shocking, right? The Braves kind of knew what they were doing again. And, you know, Glavin was okay as a Met. He helped them get to the playoffs in 2006, helped them win the division. But when you ask any Met fan about Tom Glavin, you say, what are you going to remember about Tom Glavin? You remember that last game in 2007 when they needed to win the game to make the playoffs and he got tattooed by the Marlins. At old Shea Stadium. That's what you remember about Tom Glavin. So make a long story short, 
Last night, Braves complete this epic comeback, beat the Mets like a drum, pretty much like they've been doing for the last 30 years, and they show the booth, and they're all clapping and laughing and giggling, and you know to a man, each and every one of them probably thought to themselves, yeah, I know what this is like. I know what beating the Mets is, because as long as you put on an Atlanta Braves uniform in the last three decades, you know what it feels like to beat the Mets with regularity. Except this time, they were on the broadcast, and you got to see it kind of play itself out there. But the Mets, before last night's game, they blew a pair of three-run leads and dropping the first two games of the series, right? 4-1 the first game, 4-1 the second game, they lose both of them. Last night, the Mets said, hold my beer. Not one, but two three-run leads that fell by the wayside. They were up 6-3, they were up 8-5. Couldn't hold either one. But that's not the end of it. Nope. No, 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 no. Not enough. How about two four-run leads that they also gave away in that game last night? You're up 9-5. You're up 10-6. You lose the game. And again, why should you be surprised in the least? I wasn't. I can't remember what the score of the game was when we ended our show last night at 10 o'clock. I don't remember. The Mets were winning. But even at that point, I'm like, I'm not confident they're going to win this game. You know, and now it's become kind of like the norm where you see Drew Smith go out there, come out of the bullpen, and he hangs a pitch to somebody who hits the ball 500 miles. And it happened last night except to a guy that Met fans are familiar with, namely Travis Darno. Right? Boy, oh boy, why can't the Mets ever get a catcher like Travis Darno? I kid, of course. I was about to say, I, I would never think you would say that. <laughs> no, nah, I know. But you know what? That one maybe, it, you know, is a little too aggressive because in all fairness, Francisco Alvarez, like they, 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 they may have stumbled onto something here, right? If he continues this rate, they look like they have something special here. But I mean, we, we, we've already said way too much about Darno kind of having a second act in his career after he left the Mets. And remember, they DFA'd him for nothing. That was the Brody Van Wagenen regime. Let him go for nothing. Anyway. Then David Robertson comes in, and Robertson's been really good. Been more and better than they could have imagined for. But this time they asked Dave Robertson to get five outs last night. You know why? Because nobody else in the bullpen could get any outs. And what happens? He got burned by Orlando Arcia. Gone. Right off the bat, you knew it was gone. Robertson knew it was gone. And you're like, oh, well. Then you go into extra innings. And you got nobody left in that bullpen, and you have to actually call upon the immortal Tommy Hunter to pitch the 10th inning for you. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you expect was going to happen when you saw Tommy Hunter trotting in from the bullpen? Well, you know what happened. They lost the game, right? Game, set, match, over. But let's rewind to even earlier in the game. How about the future Hall of Famer, Justin Verlander? How do you think he fared last night? How did, how did he contribute in actually trying to help this team break their latest skid? I said on the show last night, don't know if you guys got a chance to hear it. Do you know what, what, what City Field has become, right? City Field is essentially the Steve Cohen rest stop on the way to Cooperstown, New York, for guys like Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, because they look shot. They look shot. I mean, you can come up with any excuse you want to give me, and you got to sit there and hear the, you know, they're, they're accountable. They own it. 
But, you know, for a guy like Verlander, who was the best pitcher in the American League last year, it's not like you're talking about somebody who, you know, you could tell was on his last legs and the Mets just did a stupid thing and kind of paid him for, you know, the name more than anything. No, they paid a guy who was the best pitcher in the league last year. He won a Cy Young, helped the team win a World Series, gave him $43 million, three innings. You know, like in, in games that are probably going to be right up there with the most important ones you play all year, three innings? So let's do some math. Three innings, $43 million. So $14 million an inning last night. Pretty good. I don't know where you could get that kind of work, but I highly, highly recommend it if you can. But so far, Verlander, and I know, you know, that he was slowed up out of spring training and he missed the first month and so on and so forth. You know, his armpit was injured or whatever it was. He's made seven starts. Three of the seven already, he's allowed five or more runs. Okay, that's almost half. I went back in the time machine. I used this thing called the Worldwide Internet. And I looked up Justin Verlander's Cy Young winning campaign, which was just last year for the Houston Astros. You know how many games he had where he allowed five or more runs? Just two. One plus one, two. And he made 28 starts. But, of course, you put on the Met uniform, you take the $43 million, and, of course, you have a downward trend in terms of your effectiveness. Happens all the time. We've seen it forever and ever. Remember once upon a time, it was about 20 years ago, remember when they made the trade for Robbie Alomar? Future Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, right? One of the best second basemen of all time. Robbie Alomar finished third in the American League MVP vote the year before the Mets got him. Goes to the Mets, he was Done. Done. Why does that keep happening when a guy puts on a Met uniform? And you know what? You can't even get on the offense last night. Can't even get on him at all. Score 10 runs, you should win a game. I mean, I don't care if it's slow pitch softball, whatever. You score 10 runs, you should win. Not last night. Not last night. You want to get on the offense a little bit in the ninth inning, right when they had the bases loaded? One out. And didn't score a run? All right, maybe. That's fair. But still, you put up 10 runs. Should be more than enough, no matter who you're playing. And then the kicker was, like, you know, for any Met fan that did feel beat, I, I just laugh at this point. Like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't allow it to bother you and to eat away at you. I just laugh, because if you're not laughing, you're crying. That's what the team does to you. You got to laugh it off. Watching the postgame show, and you hear the manager After the game, trying to make sense of what the hell just transpired, and he dropped this timeless quote, which is probably going to go on the epitaph of his Mets tenure as the skipper. Play that one, guys. Here's Buck after last night. I'm real proud of him. A lot of opportunities there to fold the tent. These guys aren't going to do that. And, you know, Pete being down, and I'm proud of him. I look at it as positive other than uh, couldn't get outs. Now, I'm sure that there is a varying degree of emotions. That came over you over the last few days if you're a Met fan watching this team play. Really all season long. I don't know how many of you would ever have thought that pride was something that you would have taken away from that series. Maybe if you were a Braves fan, you would have been proud of them. That they kept coming back from deficit after deficit, whether it was three runs, four runs, didn't matter. And they still found a way to win. I could see if you were, maybe Buck misheard the question. And maybe he thought the question was about the Atlanta Braves, and he said proud, right? But the Mets, not only did you lose all three games to a team that you're supposed to be chasing, which is the gold standard in the division, by the way, and you haven't beat really in 30 years, 
And isn't it funny, too, the last time they were down there, which was the final week of the season last year, where they choked away the division because they got swept. Ironically enough, Max Scherzer pitched in both of those series. Um, And then the same thing happens again when you go there a second time. You, You lose me with the proud stuff. You know, and I don't expect Buck to throw things and kick things and throw people under the bus. That's not his way because he realizes he still, he hopes, has 100 more games to manage this team. I, I, I get all that stuff. But proud? I, I mean, you could go in the dictionary. You could go in the thesaurus. There's going to be a lot of words that you could look up. I don't know if proud would be the one that you choose to use to describe how this team plays. You lose me a little bit there. And I'm sure he lost a lot of fans as well. I'm sure he did. You know, when I posed this question last, I don't don't remember if I said it on the air, but what happens if in hindsight, in the grand scheme of things, if we find out that last year, where they won 101 games, made the playoffs, you thought that everything was kind of turning a little bit, it seemed to be a professional organization again, an owner who was committed to winning, a manager who knew how to run a game, the whole nine yards. What if last year turns out to be the fluke, the anomaly, the one-off, right? Because think about going into 2022, they were bad for the previous few years. They're bad again this year. So what happens if that was the case of the blind squirrel finding an acorn? And now they're just back to being the same old, same old Mets, the LOL Mets. What if that was the case? And I got one more question for you guys, and you can help me answer it too. How much longer before the owner gets a pass? Like, Billy Epler's getting ripped to shreds. Totally get it. Some of you want the manager gone, which I'm not there. But when does the owner get a pass or stop getting a free pass? Why? Because he's got a blank checkbook? Because they give him his credit card, which has no limitations to it whatsoever? When do you realize that just spending, 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 spending is not the foolproof way to build a winner? I ran down the last night the Atlanta Braves and how they've built this team right now, which is a championship-caliber team. It's not just all spending. It's spending a little bit, but it's spending wisely. There's a lot of teams in Major League Baseball right now who are better than the Mets, who look like they're more set up for sustained success in the future than the Mets are, and their payroll is a fraction, a fraction of what Uncle Steve is writing checks for. You know, when is the owner going to step up and, you know, give a little bit of a summary of where things stand for the team right now? Stay off Twitter, right? Meet the media. Stand up there and say, you know what, I'm not happy with the way we're playing. And I know that I'm worth $20 billion or whatever the hell it is, but you know what, if I'm writing a $400 million check, I want at least better results Because if you're running a business and you're pumping that much equity into it and you're getting the results that they're getting from this baseball team, something is wrong and something has got to be done and somebody's got to be held accountable. Am I right or am I wrong? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. I said, you know what? Thank God for the Mets. Really, thank God this is happening. Life is good when you're winning, right? Everything is... Everything is, is fine and dandy. And you're not going to come on the radio. And you're not going to sit there and scream and get all agitated and worked up over, you know, when the team is playing well. That's easy. This gives us some fodder. This gives us some ammo. 
And fans like to be agitated every once in a while. It's good for you. Healthy, right? Need the balance in life. Because there are going to be obstacles. Not everything is going to go your way. Sports is a great metaphor for that. Always has been, always will be. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Programming note, uh, for those that didn't hear the announcement when we made it, I think it was last night, I even put it out there on Twitter. Tomorrow, for those that are faithful listeners to the Saturday morning program, which is usually at 9 a.m. Instead, tomorrow we're going to be on from noon to 3. A little bit later on, a few hours later, because we're going to be doing a special show tomorrow live from the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center in Florham Park. They're doing a um, nice initiative tomorrow. It's the championships of the flag football uh, for the area teams that they put on all throughout the year, New York and New Jersey. So the championships are tomorrow, so we're going to be there uh, talking to some of the folks there that that put it all on and, you know, some of the winners and so on and so forth. So it'll be a good time. And, yeah, we'll talk about everything else. Of course, it's going to be a normal show. We're just going to be on the road a little bit. So 12 to 3 tomorrow instead of our normal 9 a.m. to noon that we usually do on Saturday. So the other thing about the Mets before we get to the phones, Pete Alonzo, you know, the worst fears kind of came true, and it didn't look good. You know, we were even saying last night that when you get the news that he had to go back to New York for further tests, well, that's not part of the plan, right? When you found out that he was going to New York, you knew that something was up. And normally all these type of machines and all the imaging that they need to get done, they have that down in Atlanta. You know, they have these things called hospitals in Atlanta, right? They have those things. But whenever you need to go back up to New York, whether it's for more testing, second opinions, all those type of things and whatnot, you knew that something was a little bit more serious than it was. Even though it wasn't a break, But it's a bruise, it's a sprain, and he's going to be out for three to four weeks. So if you do the timeline, I think it's probably safe to assume the earliest that Pete Alonso is going to be back out there at first base for the Mets isn't going to be until after the All-Star break. And the All-Star game this year is on the 11th of July, if I'm not mistaken. So you're probably looking at, what, 13, 14? They return back on the, maybe July 14th, you know, which is about a month from now. I think that's best case scenario. Best case. Remember, this is the Mets. When does anything ever turn up the way you expect it to when you talk about injuries in their history? Best case scenario is he misses a month. But we shall see. And I'll tell you, Subway Series next week, for those that still get geeked up over that, at City Field, the two games on Tuesday and Wednesday, 
No Judge, no Alonzo. Talk about zapping some of the life out of it. And, and how about this? The Mets have Scherzer and Verlander pitching in those two games. You thought it was bad getting swept down in Atlanta? Could you imagine if the Mets lose both of those games in their ballpark in the Subway Series with no Aaron Judge, with Scherzer and Verlander pitching? Let's just say those will be fun shows the following days. So Mark Canna, Mark Vientos, come on down. You're the next contestant at first base for the Mets. You better start producing. All right, let's get some calls. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We will start it off with Jordan in Morristown. He's first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Jordan, how we doing? Hey, how you doing? Appreciate you taking my call. Um, I was just touching a little bit on the similar situation with the Mets and the Yankees that they had this offseason where you kind of saw it with the Yankees more in the playoffs where their offense kind of just went flat. And what did they do to address the flat offense in the in the offseason? They ended up just picking up Carlos Rodon and trusting uh, a young prospect in Anthony Volpe taking over shortstop, which you shouldn't be trusting or reliant on a rookie to produce immediately because you're setting him up for failure if your expectations are that high. And there's no reason why you can't expect this lineup that the Yankees are dishing out that, first off, can't even stay healthy to produce once they start facing playoff-tier pitching. Well, the other thing the Yankees had to do also, remember, in all fairness, they did sign Aaron Judge. You know, they gave him $360 bucks, but that's almost kind of like staying pat, but they had to do it. You know, they, they, they could yeah. ill afford to risk being without Aaron Judge. It cost them a lot of money, but they kept Aaron Judge. Mets, remember, they shuttled some pitchers in and out, right? They said goodbye to DeGrom, they signed Verlander. They said goodbye to Bassett and to Walker, and they signed Jose Quintana, they signed Kodai Senga. Except the results have not worked out the way that they wanted them to. Right. And really, for both of these teams, I don't think you could sit here and say that the Mets and the Yankees, you know, three months or whatever it is into the season have had really good off seasons. They didn't. Yeah. And you, and can, I think, and you can just easily tell that they're like light years behind teams like the Tampa Bay Rays if they're trying to get analytical with it because they're just not in the same ballpark. No, you know, it, you know, analytics are great. Data is great. Numbers are great. And all those things, Jordan. And thanks for the phone call. Here's the difference. You have to apply it properly. Right. Like last night I was talking about the Atlanta Braves and the way that the Braves have built this team. And a lot of these guys, you know, like, for instance, Ronald Acuna Jr., who's on his way to an MVP season this year, Ozzie Albies, those guys were international amateur free agent signings, like when they were teenagers. What is that? That's scouting. That's scouting. Draft choices. You know, these other guys in the Braves lineup, draft choices, scouting, right? Player development. Talking about the Dodgers. The Dodgers, you know, they're another team which is steeped in analytics, but they also have the resources to be able to go out there and be competitive if they have to. But the Dodgers took a step back this offseason. They didn't make any big, splashy moves. They signed J.D. Martinez, right? That was it. They went into the season with basically, like, no real alternative at shortstop. Gavin Lux gets hurt, and they're just, like, piecing this thing together. And they're having a great season. You wouldn't know any different. They look like the Dodgers. They've lost how many starting pitchers already due to injury? They're just calling up kids from the minor leagues because they believe in their player development. With the Mets, they think the simple answer is go out there and spend, 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 spend. But it doesn't work that way. You still have to be sound organizationally. It's no different like, you know, we talk about with football. The foundation of your team is going to be your draft. 
the guys that you bring into the organization on your own and you develop them. That is the core of your club. Free agency is supposed to really just fill holes. You know, it's it's not the foundation of the house. Free agency is like how you decorate the house. But the foundation, the bottom, that's that's your draft choices. You know, how you develop these guys. Anthony in the mail truck. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Anthony? How are you? Daniel, how are we doing, my brother? Anthony, outstanding, buddy. What's going on? Big shout-out to the company. So, I think you just made the sports take of the year with what Uh you just said about free agency and um, about building your team from the ground up. And, and, you know, that's not a – it's not a way to build a dynasty like – for example, like you see, you know, the Warriors, how they, how they, you know, built their team from the ground up with their draft pick. You know, all these teams that become dynasties are not from, you know, I, I know LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. I know we're not talking about basketball, but like LeBron, Bosch, and Wade, they all came together. They won a couple championships, and they couldn't win anymore because, you know, they had to get paid or, you know, they had to bring other guys in. And but basketball, r- real quick, Anthony, basketball is a little yeah, sure. bit of an exception to that norm. You brought up the Warriors. That's a good one. You know, even the Boston Celtics, for example, with Brown and Tatum. But right. basketball, because there's only five guys, one guy could be the difference maker. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you go yeah, sign LeBron, like, true. look at – you know, like, look at, like, uh, LeBron, right? I mean, he left the Cavaliers, terrible. They go to Miami, they're good. You know, vice versa. Like, that guy could make the difference. In basketball, you do that. You know, it's a lot tougher in these other sports. You're 100% right. And uh, that's that's where I kind of wanted to go with my call today. And you, you led me right to it with the Mets and the Yankees. I mean, over the – in the offseason, they both didn't really get better. I mean, I feel like the Mets considerably got worse. Um, the only upgrade they made realistically is a catcher and everything else, you know, their pitching was a grab shoot. Um, and with the Yankees, yes, they signed Rodon, but he may not even pitch in the, in the six year, you know, window that we have him. So, you know, we haven't been able to really see the guys, you know, step up and like, like the last caller said with the younger guys, you know, I, I, I think we got to, you know, slow the, slow the jets on, on Volpe for a little bit. I mean, like, like, especially in your Saturday shows, which I love, by the way, you're amazing on Saturday. Um, and I just, I don't see all of this, you know, hate going on with, with Volpe and, you know, you got to send them back down, you know, you got to bring up Peraza. I mean, at the end of the year, we may see Peraza and Volpe manning our middle infield, but with Torres being sent out, you know, for, for maybe, uh, you know, a left fielder or, you know, something along those lines. I just wanted to hear your take on that. And also, I have a question to leave you with. Um, yeah. The Yankees and the Mets are the exact number of games back from first place. I feel like it's an easy question, but I just wanted to hear your take on who, if any of them, obviously the answer, easy answer would be neither, but who, if any of them, are going to win their division. Thanks for taking the call, Dan. Talk to you tomorrow, brother. Anthony, be good. Um, I don't think either one wins the division, to be quite honest with you. Now, eight and a half, eight and a half, you know, could be, even though it is exactly the same amount of games back, I think that they could represent different distances, if that makes any sense, right? I think the Mets are, their eight and a half feels like 18 and a half, just because they haven't exhibited that they could go out there and play consistent baseball for a week, right? Yankees are at least 10 games over 500 or whatever it is. 
So despite the fact that I don't even think the Yankees have clicked on all cylinders yet, and they're not really an overly impressive team, but they're still finding ways to win games. So if you had to, you know, if I had to pick one, I would probably have a little bit more faith in the Yankees being able to get something like that done. 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. I like how Anthony gave me a prop, though, for the Saturday show. Did you hear that? He's like, you know, do a good job with the Saturday shows. I think Wednesday I do a good show. I feel pretty good on Wednesdays. Uh, Mondays are a little bit, you know, you're coming off the weekend. You know, maybe you're not on top of your game yet. So Mondays are a little iffy. Usually by Tuesday, I think I'm getting into a nice groove. So Tuesday and Wednesday, I think, are strong shows. Last night was Thursday. That was, a, I, that was as good a show as maybe you're ever going to hear. I would say middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, are probably the strongest shows you're going to hear. Friday, it's hit or miss. Hit or miss on Fridays. Um, and Saturday, I get Saturday, I'd say hit or miss. You know, because sometimes your mind, you're in weekend mode already. Well, I mean, you gotta uh, you gotta tell them tomorrow what you're gonna be doing and where you're gonna be at. Oh, we're gonna be at the Jets on uh, tomorrow at noon. Oh, that's why. You know, I mean, we'll be at the Jets at noon. You have anybody in mind that's stopping by? Still working that out. Ooh, gotta listen. You know, that's as they say, gotta listen. That's a tease. So yeah, hopefully we'll be good to go tomorrow. I I, I think I got some good energy for tomorrow. So we'll we'll give you something special tomorrow. But twelve to three. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the Bronx, start of a weekend set. Cole on the hill tonight. They're scoreless in the third inning here. Um, I was impressed with his last start out in L.A. against the Dodgers. You know, I remember going into that one. What you were looking out for was a guy that you wanted to see him keep the ball in the yard because he was having a hard time not surrendering home runs in his previous couple of starts. Well, he managed to do that against the Dodgers, a team that's a good home run hitting team, and he was able to keep it in the ballpark. You want that to carry over tonight. And this Red Sox team, it's risk-reward. You think you're getting them at a good time because the Sox are scuffling a little bit here. They got some bad news with Chris Sale that he's going to be gone for the foreseeable future. With Same type of thing that uh, DeGrom dealt with last year, that scapula thing in the shoulder, ironically enough. But you also don't want to use this as an opportunity for the Red Sox to get healthy and to maybe get a little bit of momentum because they see the Yankees in the other dugout and they say, oh, well, you know what, this is our rival. Let's get this thing going here a little bit. You don't want to give them any chance whatsoever because you're going to see this team again next week at Fenway Park, right? They're going to renew acquaintances. So a lot of Yankees Red Sox here in the next couple of weeks. And with the pitching staff the way it is, even though that Vasquez kid last night gave him a real nice start to salvage that nightcap of the doubleheader, they've got some off days built in here for the next little while. So they might go to a four-man rotation in all probability. So you're looking, you know, Cole, Herman, Severino, Schmidt. They've got off days galore. They don't play for the next couple of Mondays, so you don't need that fifth starter. And while you're banged up a little bit with Nestor on the shelf, you might as well just throw four quality arms. So we'll see if they're able to get by to that extent. And, look, it's going to be a challenge here without Aaron Judge. We know that. 
right? You're not going to play teams like the Chicago White Sox every so often, even though Chicago ended up taking two out of three. But, you know, this Billy McKinney breath of fresh air that they've gotten, you know, let's see if you could ride this thing out as long as you can. But, I mean, you look at the, the outfield and how things stand right now. With Harrison Bader on the shelf, with Judge on the IL, I mean, if I would have told you at the beginning of the season, Billy McKinney, Jake Bowers, Willie Calhoun, IKF, like that's your outfield? You probably wouldn't be feeling too good about things. That's why it's even more inexcusable. When you look at what the Mets are doing, and when I gave you that list of murderers row that the Yankees are having to use in the outfield, and yet the Yankees are still winning games, and they're 10 games over 500. What's the Mets' excuse? Right? What's the Mets' excuse? Lonnie in Harlem. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Lonnie, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Dan. Julian and Jacob. Uh, of course, shout out to the company family. What's up? Then, um, as you know, I'll be locked in. And um, I swear, I think it was literally June 1st. Mm-hmm. No, it was June 2nd that you said this, I believe, because it was the day after the whole um, outing with DPH on Rutherford. Last Friday. And he was like the mess. Right, and you was like, the Mets need to get off to a fast start. Boom, boom, boom. They need to get these wins, these wins, these wins. Because I think at the beginning of the, the month, they was behind like maybe five or six games. And, man, has it gone the total opposite way since then. I, like last night, in the first two games, like you said, they, they had leads in all three of the games. Two to, two to three run leads in all three games. Now, you can possibly lose one or two of those, but you shouldn't lose all three. Last night was – we was all in the company chat just like, how? Even me, I was like, how is this happening? Like, what? It makes no sense. And then, like, you just said literally for the Yankees and the whole Red Sox thing, it's like how you just said the Red Sox, they'll see the, the you know, my Yankees in the dugout and then they'll get that juice and say, okay, let's get things going here. So I'm sitting here thinking why you just said that, and I'm on hold, and I'm like, so what was the Mets doing if that's the case? They literally see Atlanta in the other break, Atlanta in the other dugout. They should be like, okay, let's get the juices going. We just swept Philly. Why can't we do the same against Atlanta? Okay, Atlanta might be a better, younger team, you know, better contracts as far as I'm concerned and things of that nature, uh, less money, you know, less money under contracts. But that shouldn't be withholding the Mets from, you know, doing what they got to do to win these games. So it's like little things like that that when you said that, I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, so why isn't the Mets thinking that same type of, uh, you know, they don't have that same type of mind frame. And then the, after the game, when Buck said he was proud of them, I, like, as an outsider looking in, I understood where he was coming from. Like, yes, you, you're proud that they didn't just lay down and die. But it's just like, bro, what are you proud of? They literally just lost. You lost all three games. There's not really much to be proud of. And that gives the fans like you and other Mets fans the wrong idea. Like, oh, so we're supposed to just be proud that we just got swept in the series? And then right. we was up two to three runs in each game. So it's things like that. And I'm not going to – hot take Johnny of the company was – he turned into Professor Chaos this morning. Like, he he was so angry. Like, every tweet was this and that. And I'm just like, bro, you okay? Like, he was losing it. So I, I, I understand. I was talking to Jacob, so I understand. Like, even he just said, like, he don't – like, at this point, he you know, he he feels it. And I, I don't you know. You know what like it I is, said, Lon? It's crazy that that happened. Lon, you know what it is, and I thank you for the call as always, my friend. You'll be well. Um, you knew that June on paper was going to be tricky for this team, right? May was supposed to be the layup. 
they had all those patsy teams, and they were supposed to fatten up, and they were losing to those teams. So you knew that that wasn't necessarily setting a good trend going into a month where on paper, schedule was supposed to get a hell of a lot harder. Well, so far, they've won one game in the month of June. They've won one game. Now, in all probability, you're going to have to play the rest of this month without Pete Alonso. Good luck with that. I mean, is it a stretch to say that by the time the 4th of July gets here, we could be talking about the Mets in the past tense? The done Mets? The rest in peace Mets? Like, what confidence do you have that they're going to be able to turn this around? I haven't even, I, I, I didn't even mention it just because we're doing the show here. But, like, while we were talking within the last five minutes, Mets just blew the lead already to the Pirates. They had a one nothing lead. Now it's 2-1 Pittsburgh because Austin Hedges hit a lazy fly ball down the right field line. And, and you know what? I don't know what's happened to Starling Marte either. He took a, let's just put it this way, an interesting angle to go catch that ball. Number one, he wasn't even close to it. And he maybe thought it was going to land foul, but no. It landed fair, bounced into the stands for a ground rule double, and two runs scored. There's no explanation anymore. This team just might be cooked. It's as simple as that. They might be cooked. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Game number four of the NBA Finals between the Heat and the Nuggets. And we'll see if Miami could get up off the deck. And they've done it so many times in this postseason, right? That resilient bunch. I mean, look no further than that game number two that they won out in Denver, a place where the Nuggets hadn't lost since March, a place where the Miami Heat haven't won since 2016, and yet they go in there and they win a basketball game. Now you have to really respond to the ebbs and the flows of what a series can be. And I brought this up last night. I even made the point to P.J. Carlissimo when we had him on uh, after he finished that wonderful Italian meal at Il Gabbiano down in South Beach, which he raved about. And he forced me when the show was over to go on the Internet and check out the website and the menu and all those things, make my mouth water and my stomach growl, which probably wasn't a good idea. But nevertheless, um, there's only one day in between games three and four. And that's the only time this entire series where you only have the one day in between. Every other one, you get two days. So you wonder if that's going to play a role one way or the other for the Nuggets or the Heat in getting ready for this game. I would think, you know, and PJ didn't necessarily think so, but I would think whatever team lost the previous game, which in this case was Miami, they would have less time to be able to adapt and make adjustments when you're talking about that quick turnaround. But look, I have confidence in the Heat tonight because I've seen this movie before. Right? I've seen this play itself out. Saw it against the Knicks. Saw it against the Celtics. And all you need, forget it. You know what? Forget about game number two of the finals and the fact that they won in Denver. How about they had the ultimate, ultimate count us out victory, which was game seven against the Celtics, right? Once they went up 3 0 in that series and then they lost three consecutive games, there was no way in hell that they were going to win game seven on the road in Boston. And not only did they win it, they blew him out. They blew him out. That was enough to convince me that this team can win anything. So, yeah, you know what? I might be drinking the Miami Kool-Aid a little bit. I think the Heat win tonight. I just got a feeling. I think we're going to get a 2-2 series, and I think we're going to go back to Denver and play a best two out of three, which should be a lot of fun. We'll see if that happens, but they're going to also have to have some answers for Nikola Jokic. Because, whew. and it's not even just Nikola Jokic. How about Jamal Murray? 
You know, they're a package deal. I know Jokic is the guy, but when Murray's good, Jokic is better. And that's a scary thought. We'll see if we get any Christian Brown heroics tonight. And the other thing for the Heat, too, their role players have to step up. Right? The games they've lost in this series, those guys haven't showed up. The game that they won, those guys performed. Talking about Max Struess, talking about Duncan Robinson, even Kayla Martin. You need more from Kayla Martin. You need more. Where is the guy who was arguably the MVP of the conference finals? Where is he? We'll see what happens. We'll get our answers in about a half an hour from now. Let us say hi to David Manhattan, who is up next here on 98.7. David, good evening. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I, I called in the other day and talked about chemistry and how the Mets didn't have any chemistry and the owner, you know, the owner put this thing together wrong. Well, what's your take on this? You know, every time, every time I see something, I try to engineer it in the opposite way. Um, so let me get to the point here. Mm-hmm. I think if the owner of the Mets would have came in with the money that he has and probably with the contacts that he has, even if he had to give part ownership, a small amount, he could have put the right pieces in place. He could have went to the best farm systems in baseball and said, pluck this guy out, what's his price? The best general manager, pluck this guy out, what's his price? And then let's put a think tank together and get the best guy to manage this group. And then we'll get on a trajectory from three to five years to build a championship. I think that he underestimated the New York market. We would respect something like that as opposed to what we're getting now because he looks like almost childish and immaturish, throwing money at something like all the other oligarchs who own sports teams and just blowing it without any regard for the fans. I'll let you, you know take what, it from here. Thanks. Dave, you know what it's kind of reminded me of? And, and, and I thank you for the phone call and you said oligarch, and that's what kind of jarred the memory right there. It almost is getting off to the same start as Mikhail Prokhorov did with the Nets. Remember that? Remember Prokhorov when he bought the team? He was like, we will win a championship in five years or I will get married. Remember that? That didn't happen, obviously. And I don't even know if he got married. But Steve Cohen made that proclamation at one of his first press conferences. He's like, yeah, ideally, you know, we'd like to win a World Series in, in, in three to five years. Well, what year are we up to now? I've lost count. With Steve Cohen at the helm. It, ain't, it sure as hell ain't going to be this year. It wasn't last year. You know, but as far as, you know, I, I think anybody who is in charge, you delegate. That's half the battle in being successful. You got to delegate. You got to trust the people that you hire. I've always viewed Billy Epler as a placeholder. He's a guy who's keeping the seat warm for the guy they ultimately want to hire. Now, look, they tried. In fairness, they tried. They tried to go after David Stearns with the Milwaukee Brewers for the last couple of years, but he was still under contract. And I would be shocked if they don't make another run at him during the offseason. The other guy that they tried to bring in, remember, was Theo Epstein. When Theo walked away from the Chicago Cubs, and now he got a cushy job in the commissioner's office making a ton of dough. God knows what he's doing, but that's the way things work in sports. Theo said thanks, but no thanks. He didn't want to get back to running a team. I guarantee you, Steve Cohen's going to pick up the phone in the offseason and call Theo Epstein. Not that Theo needs the money. He's already got plenty of it, but Steve's going to say, hey, Theo, here's a blank check. You want to come run the baseball operations department for the Mets? That's what they're going to try to do. And then probably Billy Epler will be 
looking for another organization to join. It's as simple as that. But they have not done a good job with the resources that are available assembling a winning team. And spending the most money, as we found out already, is not the fail-safe solution to build a winner. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. While we were away, see, see, that's how you know that you have the makings of something special. Because it doesn't even take long for the magic to take place and to materialize. We were gone for, what, three, four minutes during the commercial? And in those three, four minutes, the Mets somehow, I shouldn't say somehow, I mean, they are capable of such things, as we've seen. But the Mets took a match, poured lighter fluid on the field in Pittsburgh, and just lit the game on fire. They allowed the Pirates to put five runs on the board in that third inning and in the process just made a calamity of errors. We suck. And essentially just gave them five runs. Mr. Gucci Glove himself, Francisco Lindor, a a, a T-ball grounder to short, bobbled, couldn't come up with the play, everybody was safe. That a T-baller would have came up with. Then, to make matters worse, Eduardo Escobar, on essentially a swinging bunt, Tries to make a play from third base. At least he tried, but maybe would have been better off just eating it and putting it in his pocket. No. Instead, he tries to make a gold glove play and in the process throws the ball about 740 feet over the first baseman's head down the right field line to where I think Dave Parker probably picked the damn thing up. And then by the time they got it in, the Pirates were having like a conga line around the bases. So now it's 7-2 to Pittsburgh going to the fourth inning. I, I mean, I, I, there are no words anymore. There are no words, and I'd hate to just keep belaboring this point, but it's like the Mets are the gift that keeps on giving. They just keep on giving us this material. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Anyway, let's talk about something more uplifting and more positive for the time that we still have on this show tonight, like the the New York Jets, right? But they are uplifting and positive, especially when you put it in comparison to the New York Mets. Final day of OTAs, um, Robert Sala, canceling minicamp next week, which I, look, it's it's not the end of the world. Like, people are like, well, how do you cancel minicamp? Guys, if you're there and if you see it, okay, minicamp has become essentially a glorified version of OTAs. They're not wearing pads. There's no contact. They're not really doing anything. Only bad can come from it, right? You just don't want guys getting hurt. So the fact that you cancel a couple of days of minicamp, it's not the end of the world. Look around the NFL. Most of these teams aren't having full three-day minicamps. Those clubs also usually cancel a day. And they, they take one day to do team bonding. They'll go play mini golf. They'll do top golf. They'll go bowling, paintball, something along those lines. And the fact that the Jets are starting training camp a week earlier than everybody else because they're playing in the Hall of Fame game, they said, uh, you know, it's, it, it's fine. You know, and especially today, you know, C.J. Uzama limped off the field. He was running a route and planted the wrong way, and it looked like he might have dinged up his quad a little bit and had to be helped off to the side. I, I don't think it's anything super serious, but you just don't want things like that to happen. So get your rest. I think it's like 40 days. Then they return for training camp, ready to hit the ground running. But so far during the OTAs and everything else that was happening, you, you got Aaron Rodgers' introduction. Here is new football team. And I think it goes without saying, you know, with baseball, we've talked about the Aaron Judge injury and how bad it would be for the Yankees if he ever missed significant time. You know, Pete Alonso is down now for the next month probably for the Mets, but they got way bigger problems than just Pete Alonso. It goes without saying, Aaron Rodgers might be the most important 
athlete in New York right now. Because if something happens to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you're basically back to where you were last year. And that's not the place you want to be. That's how important he is to this team's trajectory for the upcoming season. So Aaron met the media today after the final OTA practice and basically told you, you know what, everything you see from the outside, it's not a mirage. You know, the camaraderie with the teammates, you know, going to the concerts and and really bonding and eating this up and having perfect attendance for OTAs. Like people thought, oh, well, is he even going to show up for workouts? Well, he's been here every day since the trade was made. Here's Rodgers talking about how much fun he's having with his new team. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. The last six weeks have been about the most fun I've had in a while. So it's fun to come to work and be excited about what we're doing. we got a great quarterback room to be able to work with Todd Downing and Rob and Hacks in there all the time. And, you know, we get some other randoms coming to sit in the room, which is nice, too. But to work with Zach and Tim and Chris has been a lot of fun. Hey, he's embracing this, and it's not an act. I saw him today for a couple of minutes. You know, they had this, like, team kind of barbecue for all the players and you know, the coaches and some family that were there, you know, after practice today. And he went out and, and was part of that for a little bit. Like, it's, it's legit. It's not a mirage, you know? And I think if you're a Jet fan, you got to be on cloud nine right now. Just how he is taken to this franchise. It's almost like he's rejuvenated. Right? Like, we were all talking about with the possibility, oh, he might only play one more year. Well, you know what? The way things are going, it, barring he stays injury-free and gets through the season healthy, I mean, he's enjoying himself to the point where – It might be an extended stay here for more than one season. Now, I don't have that as far as any confirmation. It's just what I'm observing, right? He also had some good things to say about the reigning offensive rookie of the year and a guy who could be primed for another big season. How about Garrett Wilson? I love Garrett. Awesome young young kid, you know, the whole whole world in front of him. He's got all the talent and ability. You need your best players to be the best people on your team. He's definitely one of them. Love spending time with him. Love just watching him. I mean, there's at least one time of practice, he does something. He kind of looking back at Todd and Hack and Rob, whoever's looking back, going, wow. So that's exciting. Sounds like a guy who's reborn. You know? It's Aaron Rodgers. Guy's got four MVPs. Guy's a, a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right? Guy's pushing 40 years old. He walked off that field in Green Bay last year. You're not knowing if he was even going to play again. Now he's got extra pep in his step, and he looks like he's got a couple of more years in him. But the true answers aren't going to be found out until we get to September and we start playing ball for real. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Let's say hi to Ira in Staten Island, our good buddy. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Ira, good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, All good, all good. Good evening, Dan, and I tell you, I know the Mets are struggling right now, but as as a Jets they fan, stink. I couldn't they, be I mean, more excited. I mean, they stink. Oh. What? What's that? No, the, the, the Mets stink. I mean, what what you're seeing from the Mets over the last few days? It's almost like, if I can use a Jet analogy, it's like co-tight level. It's like it's like co-tightian from what we've seen from the Mets the last few days. Yeah, I know it's it, it's sad, but it, with the Jet stuff, I, I tell you the truth. Everything you just said, as a Jet fan. I haven't been this excited to, to look forward to a season coming. And, you know, unfortunately, Uzama, hopefully it's just, you know, a little tweak or something. But if you look at this, I think this was probably the most productive spring just with all the positive vibes. And you know what? I got to give Salah credit. He's got the pulse of this team. Like you said, you know, they never go three days. They're always canceled on the last day of minicamp. They missed two big uh, OTAs next week. It's not a big deal. They got their work and they got to start a week earlier than everybody else. So I, I think they're in good shape, but I do have a question for you. Yeah. I know Dalvin Cook's name's been thrown out there. I, I, I understand it. Um, 
I'm not sure uh, how Hall's going to react, and I, I think they're going to be smart, you know, how they bring him along. And I can't wait to see, I can't pronounce his name yet, the, the kid out of Pittsburgh, the running back. Is he but a, a, a Bonacondu or something? Yeah. Yes, but if you could get Cook for the right price, I, I think it would be really good insurance, you know, no disrespect to Knight or, or Carter. I, I think you bring a guy like Cook in, I, I, I think it takes a little bit of pressure and you have a little, you know, you don't have to rush Hall back as possibly as quick as they might. Yeah, Ira, it's interesting, and thanks for the phone call. You know, talking about that a little bit earlier today with Dalvin Cook, and he is a free agent, you know, Minnesota, because nobody was going to trade for him. Once the whole world knew that Minnesota was going to cut him, why would anybody give up anything in terms of draft choices to to, to acquire a guy who you could just go sign? Cook is going to have to answer a couple of questions just for what he prefers. Number one, is he going to take less to go play for a winner? Right, because you might have some teams that are better positioned to win that can't pay him maybe what some other club will. And number two, is he willing to go out there and maybe kind of split the carries with a back who's already in-house? Like, for example, Brees Hall, Brees Hall's not going anywhere. Brees Hall's going to get a lot of the workload because you see the potential he has and the ability that he has more than anything else. So I, I personally, I don't know how serious – the Jets would be interested in somebody like a Dalvin Cook. I haven't really snooped around or asked around. Um, it seems like all signs and all roads lead to Miami because the Vikings and the Dolphins earlier this offseason were having conversations about a trade, and then the Dolphins apparently backed out at the very last minute. Maybe they thought the price was too high. But remember, Dalvin Cook played at Florida State. He's from Florida. You wouldn't think Miami would be a natural landing spot. I don't know what he's looking for to get paid. I, I mean, maybe he, maybe Dalvin Cook feels, you know what, I'll go play someplace for a year, even if it's not at the price I want, kind of reset my market a little bit, and then next year enter free agency and, and try to cash in and get that multi-year deal. Dalvin Cook could produce. I mean, geez, he's, what, four 1,000-yard seasons, you know? Guy's a big-game player, but, you know, he does tend to put the ball on the ground a little too often for my liking, to be quite honest with you. And Minnesota's in a little bit of a teardown right now. They're in a little bit of cap hell. They probably could have stripped things down before last season, right? They went into last year with a brand-new GM and a brand-new coach. They probably could have played the salary game last season and kind of just, you know, taken it as a re refreshing year. But they said no, and they end up winning 13 games. And they go to the playoffs. They win the division. They lose to the Giants. But now you got to pay that piper. And they've already said goodbye to some key players that have been mainstays for them just because they got to get that cap space. You know, Minnesota had eight guys, if I'm not mistaken, count eight figures on their salary cap, meaning at least $10 million on their cap. And they had eight of them. So you got to make some tough choices, and they have. I don't think it's an indictment necessarily on Dalvin Cook's ability. It's just that they got Alexander Madison, who they like a lot, and he's cheaper. Nothing more, nothing less. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>